You're listening to the Second Breaks Podcast. This is episode number 78. And coming up on the show, we're talking about what it takes to make a change from a 20-year career. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to another episode of the Second Breaks Podcast, where we talk about all the ways that you can make a career move in today's fast-paced world of ours. My name is Lou Blazer, your host and fellow Second Breaker, and truly, truly thankful that you allow me to share a few minutes of your day today. It is a privilege. I know that, and I never take that for granted. I'm so excited to introduce my first guest of the year to you. Uh, She's got a tremendously inspiring and motivating story and just the right kind of story to hear at the top of the calendar year as you're thinking about and planning all the wonderful things that you can do for your career this year. So I'm sure you're going to love her story. But before we go to the heart of today's episode, I first want to invite you to a live training series that I'm hosting the week of January 21st. It's called Brave to Pivot. And during this four-day training series, I'll be walking you through a simple process for putting together a starter game plan for your career pivot or career change. This is going to be especially relevant to you if you are feeling, you know, a little unsure or scared about your goals and your career plans. And, you know, you're, you're feeling the, the fear coming up and you're wondering whether you can do this. In fact, because the underlying goal of this training is to help you overcome those pesky gremlin voices. <laughs> and internal roadblocks that stop you from taking action, even if you really, really want to take action, even if you really, really want to make that career move. So this live training will be on the Second Breaks Facebook page. So all you really have to do is to follow the page. And every day from January 21st to the 24th, that's Monday to Thursday, I will be doing the Brave to Pivot training live. But if you want the workbook and you want the daily video links, because, you know, we're all busy and you may not be able to catch the live broadcasts, it's good to have like a reminder or a link to where to find the video so that you're not scrambling around trying to figure out where is today's training video. You can sign up for Brave to Pivot. And when you sign up, you're going to get the workbook. You're going to get a daily email with the links to the video plus other relevant, you know, information or tips for that particular day's topic. So to sign up and to get more information about Brave to Pivot, you can go to the show notes, which for this episode is secondbreaks.com forward slash episode seven, eight. Okie dokie, let's get on with today's show. So It's probably not a surprise to you guys (laughs) because after all, this is what I do on this podcast. I love, love, love hearing all the different ways that people make a career pivot or a career change. These are the kinds of stories I love to really get into. And of course, I love understanding all the reasons that push people 
to make a move, to make a career move, right? But there's one kind of a career change story that I really love digging into. And that's when someone makes a deliberate change of course out of like a personal evolution, out of, you know, growing into a new space. That's when someone isn't necessarily being pushed out, but rather is being pulled towards something. Because I think this kind of career move presents a different set of challenges altogether. And it requires a different, a different kind of braveness, a different kind of courage, because the appeal to remain in the comfort zone is so great when there's nothing that pushes you out. Because if you think about it, if everything is okay and everything is comfortable where you are, it's going to require a massive motivation, internal motivation for you to move away from that and towards something new altogether, right? My friend, I cannot wait for you to listen to Martha Keats' story. Martha pivoted away from a 20-year career, away from a field of work where she's built a name and an identity and into a field of work where she basically started at the beginner's level. Not to mention, she moved away from a career where her work, the kind of work that she did, was easy to understand into a field that sometimes requires a bit of explanation for people who are not familiar with that kind of work. We talked about Martha's evolution, the fears and the challenges that she faced, the questions that she asked herself, and what helped her the most during this career transformation. So let me transition to my chat with Martha here, and I'll catch up with you at the back end. Hi, Martha. Welcome to Second Breaks. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Lou. Thank you for having me. If I'm not mistaken, you had done some kind of a pivot recently. And so I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of backstory, kind of where, what were you doing before this that led to this uh, pivot? Sure. I'd be happy to tell you the story. So I was a metalsmith, a goldsmith, I guess I should say, um, making jewelry, designing for individuals um, making commissioned jewelry. So I was working with people one-on-one and designing pieces that were just especially for them. And I had been doing that work for uh, over 20 years. Um, I really had been doing it straight out of college. It's where I learned jewelry making originally. And it just clicked for me. I loved it. Um, And right away, while I was in college, I was asked to do a couple of pieces for people that I knew where they didn't really know exactly what they wanted. So they said, well, I don't know, help us come up with a design idea or make something that you think would suit us. And um, I actually did a set, the first set of wedding bands I ever made, which I was so intimidated by. And they said, you can make rings, you can make wedding rings, you can do this. I was like, okay. So they had no idea what they wanted. And so I sat down with them and we talked it out and I helped them kind of hash out what they liked, what they didn't like. And um, I really loved that process. And then from then on, I just sort of got the work that I did, you know, which kind of happens. And, and so for over 20 years, I did jewelry in that way, where I would um, meet with somebody who didn't necessarily know what they wanted. In fact, if they knew exactly what they wanted, then I wasn't really the right goldsmith for them. It was more somebody who had seen my style, but they weren't quite sure. So when I what I loved to do was helping them get to the heart of 
of um, what it is they really wanted. So as I went on in my metalsmithing career, I started to um, recognize that I was enjoying the client conversations in the beginning of the process even more than the making of the jewelry. And that connecting one-on-one was where I wanted to spend all my time. And then there was a constant thread. There always has been for me, which is just a sort of an interest in, um, you know, the things that are beyond our five senses and Mm. energy and, um, but without really much of a like framework for talking about that or even, um, understanding my own experiences with it. So, um, but a couple of years before I made the pivot, I just recognized how much I loved that client connection. And so I just started to explore what that was all about and how these pieces that come out of me, sort of how they felt kind of through me, like how intuition played a part in that process for me. And, um, that just kind of set me on this track of exploring and learning more about energy work and, Mm -hmm. and mindset and, and, and our intuition and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and one thing led to another and I ended up saying yes to a training to become, um, certified in a modality to work with energy and help other people. And I thought, Oh, perfect. I'll combine this with my commission process. And it'll be such, such a great combination. You know, the work is my jewelry is already so personal and the experience is often cathartic for my clients and I'll somehow combine the two. But once I did that training and started practicing that work, um, I realized this is all I really want to be doing. Um, I love the jewelry and I love my experiences I've had with it, but I just felt ready for a change. And, and beyond feeling ready, I was feeling this pull in me that was like, I have to do this. So that began the pivot. Yes, yes. So I was wondering, when you started with the jewelry design or jewelry making career, like, was that a dream? Like, was that what you were going after straight from college? Like, that's what you wanted. You didn't fall into it accidentally. I completely fell into it accidentally. Oh, really? <laughs> I really did. I I really didn't know. I wasn't one of those kids or young adults who was um, really future-focused or goal-driven at all. I was much more um, kind of living life by the moment. And honestly, I went to college because that's what my parents and my guidance counselors said. Like, this is what you do next. I was like, okay, I'll go to college. Yes. And then when I got there, I thought – that maybe I like might like to do art therapy, um, which interestingly has kind of been, you know, I haven't gone exactly that track, but I've ended up working in both kind of areas. So I, I once I got into college, psychology didn't really grab me. Honestly, it was just the one class I took, which was on like a Tuesday night from seven to nine thirty. <laughs> it was very easy to get sleepy in. I thought, I don't, this isn't really lighting me up, but what is lighting me up are these art classes that I can take as electives. And so I, I was taking a lot of art and art history classes and, um, and then stumbled upon a class called, uh, metal and jewelry. A friend of mine was walking down our dorm hall with a little toolbox in her hand. And I said, what is that for? She was an art student too. And she said, Oh, metal and jewelry really casually. And I was like, what? that's a class. I can get credit <laughs> for that. <laughs> so I, I signed up and on the first day of class, I opened the toolbox and I should say that I knew at this point, I really loved jewelry. My mm. mom 
had a lot of silver jewelry and family pieces. And when I was a kid, I loved to sit on her bed and she would pull out this box and just unpack all these pieces and tell stories about them. And I loved them. And so I grew up really liking the story behind jewelry, but also silver in particular. So on this first day of my class, my metal and jewelry class in college, I opened this toolbox and there are these little hand tools and things. And, and then there's this little strip of sterling silver sheet that's like one inch by six inches long. And it's part of our raw material that we're going to work with. And I felt like I was seeing, I mean, for me, this was like the rawest form of silver. It was like I was digging it out of the earth, you know, it was just so amazing to see it in this raw form. And I literally lifted it out of the box and licked it (laughs) without even knowing what I was doing. So I literally just fell into it, but it clicked and I, I just kept doing it because I loved it and it suited me. And I, I really loved designing with meaning in mind, um, you know, with a real intention of, of like conveying some experience or some, um, like representing an event or, or a feeling. And so it helped me combine that interest that I had in the art therapy, kind of the psychology interest that I had, you know, thinking about emotions and that kind of thing, but combining it with this real art design um, love too. Especially if it's cost to make, because I can imagine that if it's commissioned, because then there is a deeper meaning to the person who's wearing the jewelry, right? Because it's, you know, it's, it's not just something that you picked uh, right. on some kind of a, you know, display you know, table or something. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then obviously you loved it because you did it and you're good at it because you were doing it for a long time. (laughs) And then then this uh, feeling of wanting to make a change. And I was just wondering, I mean, how just how scary was that to be like, (laughs) I am have been this. And now I'm going to I'm thinking of walking away from that and doing something different. It was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And at the same time, it was compelling and exciting and and just really deeply just felt right. And so it didn't mean that it wasn't scary. It was very scary. And it still is at times because I still, you know, I'm I made the the pivot, um, which is such a great way to put it, a little over two years ago. No. Wait a minute. A little over a year ago. It's only been a year. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I made the, the pivot in the um, summer of 2017. And and so still, I'm still, you know, kind of figuring out. I mean, I'm, I called myself a metalsmith for 20-something years. This is what I knew. When I explained what I did to people, they understood what it meant. People could grasp it. You know, people knew me as that. And, and it, we get so... Um, attached to these identities mm-hmm. around around how we are, you know, expressing ourselves in the world and how people see us. And so that process, I mean, that I should just say that has been a real process for me of, um, of, of, of not being attached, just detaching from that and, and, and being okay with it. Yeah, because the other thing too is, uh, actually, Martha, would you mind talking a little bit uh, and then we'll go back to the topic that we're talking about. But talk a little bit about the energy work because not a lot of people might understand what that means. Yes. I, for example, I have only, and I, I will not say that I understand it 
fully, but I have only really have begun to even hear about it just maybe two years ago. There are some people who have never even heard about it or know what the work is all about. So would you mind talking a little bit more about what is energy work really and what kind of work do you do? That's a great question. And you're so right. It's not something that we um, that we kind of talk about in mainstream or that most of us grow up learning in our families, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> this, is not dinner, this is not conversation at the dinner table for me as a kid. Um, I will. So when I ref, when I say energy work, what I mean is um, I'm referring to the energy that is um, that is in and around our bodies. And, and that energy is you know, it's a, for, for almost the whole world, it's an invisible force. Some people would say that they see energy, but I don't. Um, but energy is like that life force that flows through us. Different cultures call it different things. Um, chi or um, prana or, mm. you know, depending on what kind of background you have, you might have heard it referenced, but it's, it's, um, it's the um, it's kind of the essence of of our of our being. We've had these physical forms, but um, they're you know animated and come to life with with energy. And really, what I have um, come to understand and what I think is so exciting is that energy is really at the base of all matter, mm-hmm. um, which is what Einstein talked about with his famous equation. But that that matter at the at the very base of it is energy vibrating at a particular frequency. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of going down the maybe too far down the path that, with it. But just to say that we all have energy moving through our bodies. Optimal health is like great energy flow, um, disease and discontentment and all of that can sort of come from stuck energies in our body. And modalities like for example, acupuncture. Um, acupuncture works with the energy system and goes in and and moves around or releases stuck energy. Got it. And so um, the work that I do, I practice a particular modality called energy editing, and it's it's not like acupuncture. It's not working physically on the body, but it's working um, with energy of emotions and thoughts and fears and beliefs. And so um, through the work that I do, I help people kind of discover what it is that's really, um, I would say, in their way. We all, you know, kind of have these points in life or maybe points in a day where we're feeling stuck about something and we can get to the heart of what it is that is causing that stuckness Mm -hmm. and then get that energy moving again. So it's just, there's not, it's not an issue anymore. Got it. So you, you work with, uh, one-on-one with individuals, I guess, in person? Like a, like I would have to be with you physically in your clinic, in your office? I can work with people in person, but I actually most of the time work with people remotely. The way we're communicating, um, you know, with video online, uh, that's the way I do most of my sessions. And it is one-on-one. I have, um, I do do some work with groups, but primarily right now I work one-on-one with people and um, we do monthly sessions and they are an hour long. Mm-hmm. And for the four weeks in between our sessions, the bodies are just processing this, these changes that we've just made. It's, we go in and we, we get things moving that were stuck before where there was stagnation, we create flow and it just takes some time to kind of like, see how this plays out in your life, kind of let that, let your body assimilate to these changes. And then we'll come back and, and see what's next to release. This is fascinating to me. And I could go on and on and down into this rabbit hole. <laughs> because 
I mean, quite honestly, so this is, as you, the way that you uh, talked about it earlier, this is not the kind of conversation that we have at the dinner table when I was growing <laughs> up. And I would imagine, though, that, and I don't know, you tell me if this was your experience, but I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine myself going from, say, I was a, you know, a consultant, and now I'm going to do energy work, and my entire <laughs> family and friends are going to go, what are you going to do <laughs> from something that's sort of like easy to understand, sort of like a metalsmith, or I design jewelry, it's very easy to understand to, uh, and then to say, I'm doing this. Was that your experience? Or I mean, I'm not sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. For a lot of people, you know, for some people, I had, <laughs> I had some really wonderful responses um, from people who I didn't realize, but knew, ha had a sense or either had a sense or deeply understood what it meant to work with energy and said, oh, Martha, that's perfect for you. Of course, you're, you're doing that. When I wasn't expecting it at all, you know, I got to the point where I was sort of afraid to run into anybody I knew because I was like, they're going to ask me how jewelry is going and I have to tell them that I made this change. And, uh, and so, so I did have some really nice surprises of people saying like, oh, that is perfect for you. I know about that. And that's great. And it fits and it makes so much sense. Um, in fact, I had one person who, after I shared with him about the new work that I was doing, he said, well, you should just go to your website. You're not really doing different work. You're doing the same thing. You should just go to your website and change all the words that say jewelry to people, <laughs> which I thought was such a nice perspective. But I certainly had many people in my life who um, either completely expressed to me that they were confused by this, or <laughs> I could just tell by the look on their face that that they were not understanding or we're concerned, concerned, I think. I think for some people too, um, it's funny how we also get attached to other people's identities, not only our own. So I had some people who didn't, it seemed that they were not that happy that I was not a metalsmith anymore because they kind of liked that I did that. And, and so I can understand it. And, you know, change is not always easy for any of us, um, even if it's somebody else making the change. <laughs> Um, exactly. Oh my God, so true. And and the way that you described it, I mean, you're talking about this in the context of the energy work, but it could be anything, right? So I, for example, I know someone who was a, a finance director and, and became a baker, like, a you know, didn't yes. open a bakery, but started to bake goods to, you know, to sell to, to restaurants and stuff like that. And people are like, you're a finance director. What? What are you yeah. doing now? <laughs> yes, but you know what I also heard a lot of, Lou, was, wow, that's that takes a lot of courage. Or, so wow, I wish that I could make a change like that. Or, wow, how did you do that? How did you get to the point where you felt it was okay? I, you know, I, I, I heard from a lot of people who... Um, you know, recognize that it was a big deal and, um, and that, you know, making that change wasn't easy and helped me to see and to really honor like, oh, this is a big deal. This is a cool thing I'm doing. Not 
not the, 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 in particular, the work, but just that I'm following what feels right for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this thing that I feel pulled to do, even though it's scary. And so I think through a lot of other people's responses to me, I was able to recognize that. That is such a, a good insight, actually. Great, not just good, but a great insight, Martha, because you're right. So there are, uh, when whenever, you know, anybody who's like uh, reintroducing themselves Right, uh, in a in a different role, in a different capacity, will either have the kinds of uh, reaction that you experience, where oh my god, so totally you, of course, this totally <laughs> makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've seen that side of you, and now that you're talking about your new uh, role, they they see how it fits, right? And then there are the kinds of people who might say, I don't understand what what are you doing, right? What what exactly is this? And then there's also the the group of people who may or may not actually express it, but deep inside they're saying, Oh, I don't understand what she's doing, but I wish I could make a change. Yes. Like that. Because a lot of people would actually I think that a lot of people would even would want to be able to do that. To, yeah. to would want to be able to make a change, especially something like, you know, what you're doing, which is a big deal. So going back to going back to those, you know, those, uh, I don't know how long it took you to make the decision, but those months or weeks that you were, uh, or days or seconds, <laughs> I don't know how long it took you, but um, during those times when you were uh, making up your mind or making a decision to go this path, this direction, do you remember, or maybe you still have them, but do you remember kind of what were the main sort of fears or anxieties that you were feeling at that time about this career or this direction, change in direction, and how you um, addressed them? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I, yes, I definitely remember. Um, I had a lot of fears around it so that it it took me more than days and weeks. <laughs> I would say it took me really when I look at it, and I'm, I recognize that nothing is not connected. So it's hard for me to really even compartmentalize when the decision process began. Because to me, I, know, I, I see that it started before I even took the step to do the training mm. um, in energy editing. So I like I'd been moving in that direction. But I would say that um, I really thought I would, I would stick with jewelry until I completed the training and started practicing it. And then there was a period of maybe a couple of months where I thought, this is all I want to be doing. What would it look like? I don't know that I even asked myself that generous of a question in the early days. It was more like, "Uh oh, I think I'm having this feeling of wanting to make a change. But before I could even allow myself to acknowledge that I wanted to make a change, I had all this fear up front, Mm. Uh, you know, that wouldn't even let that that just wish or that desire like come to the surface. So it took me a while to even recognize. And I remember actually speaking the words to a close friend for the first time and saying, I think I want to take a sabbatical Mm. from jewelry. And, um, it was like the word that came out and that was what felt the most kind of like the, the best fit at that time. Um, and it felt scary to say it. And it felt like, like, I could just put the words back inside if I need to, like, this is too scary. The change, it was, it was really scary. So, um, to speak specifically to what those fears were, I was afraid of how people would perceive me a lot of fear about what other people would think, honestly. Mm. Um, and then also just this deep, like I've been doing this one thing for so long. It's, it's what I know. It's who I am. It's what I've, you know, dedicated so much of my life to really and I do really love it Mm -hmm. 
but, and so almost like, like, how could I give that up? You know, it's not like, oh, I'm so tired of this. I hate my job. I wasn't there. And so it was sort of like, gosh, how could I give this thing up that really is so good? And lots of people look at from the outside and, 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 and admire it or say like, wow, I wish I could do something like that. And I'm saying like, yeah, I'm going to leave this. Like, is that, am I crazy? You know? So those were some of the fears what other people would think. And then, and then just the, um, like, I don't know. I've been this one thing for so long. How could I? Yeah, the giving up of that identity. I'm so, I can so relate. I so, <laughs> you know, I so relate to both of those. Um, so what, looking back now, what's helped you with the transition or, you know, what's helping you in the transition? Well, it just so happens <laughs> that my transition brought me into a way of doing inner work that really helps with getting through change. <laughs> so I've done a lot of energy editing. <laughs> For so on yourself, you mean? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. On myself, and I, I work with another practitioner um, to because I think that doing any of the work like this that we can do on ourselves is great and really powerful, and I also think um, it's so wonderful when you can work with another person and that combined energy, there's just something like so powerful there. So I do work with another energy editing practitioner regularly and I am still peeling back the layers of, um, being comfortable in this new space, navigating the change, um, creating this new career to be really what I want it to be really getting to the heart of what that is, you know, all of that. So a, a lot of inner work, honestly, through energy editing. I mean, it was a tool that was just right at my fingertips. But I think some of the other ways that I've been supported, well, and that, I guess support, outside support, I've, I've kind of reached out to um, the friends who have been so supportive and leaned on them to, you know, just talk this out and, and share what's going on. And I've been so, so fortunate to have really supportive friends. And my husband is extremely supportive. And, and I would say leaning on them more than I normally would. I tend to be, um, I have tended in the past to kind of stay more to myself and not necessarily come to somebody else with a, with a problem or something I'm struggling with, maybe trying to figure it out on my own. But, but through this work and through going through such a big change, it's kind of, um, open me up to asking for more support. And that's yeah. hugely helpful. And sometimes ask, and again, I don't know what your experience has been, but uh, asking for help is, is a habit that we, especially if you're not uh, used to doing that, it's almost like something you have to learn in and of itself. Like, how do I ask for help without feeling like I'm imposing on people or feeling like I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. All of it. Yes. I had all of that. I really did. And this is, I guess, the practice of it. And also releasing a lot of the old sort of limiting beliefs that I had around how it was bad to ask for help or I'd be seen as weak. You know, I would, I would see myself as weak or other people would perceive me as weak if I asked for help. All of those things releasing a lot of that through energy work and then also just practice, you know, it's, it's easier to do something the more often we do it. <laughs> exactly. As, as you went through this transition, what is one thing that you either discovered about yourself that maybe you didn't know about that this is 
true about yourself or, or something that you had confirmed about yourself as a result of this transition? There's, I feel like there's, I've learned so much about myself mm. through this transition. I, the, th- the thing that really bubbles to the surface that I'll just say is that I have learned to trust myself more. Mm. I guess that was the, the thing that was there all along was that, um, that kind of like wisdom that we all have. And I have just been practicing and learning how to um, just trust that more. Mm. And so really, you know, I took this step not based on anything that anybody else recommended. <laughs> you know, nobody said to me, hey, how about if you change your career? You know, um, it was it was completely from inside of me. And so it uh, and so I, I've I've looked inside for answers like how to do this next. And and I've certainly looked outside myself, too. And I've gotten really stuck inside my head about a lot of, you know, trying to solve problems or look for answers. But what I keep coming back to and and um, this message is just keeps I keep learning again and again and keeps presenting itself to me is this just trusting trust yourself. Yeah. Trust, you know, for me, trust the work that I do. Um, Trust that this I'm in just the right place. You any any of us at any given moment, whether we're already in a transition or just like wishing we were, or we've taken the leap and and we're free falling or whatever it is. Like I don't know. I've just come to believe we're it's just right. Like it's all perfect. We're in just the right place, and we're gonna keep moving. Um, and and just to trust. I love your answer, and I have to say that I also had to learn that myself, I think that um, for a lot of us who are looking to reinvent ourselves or, you know, take on a, a very different role, there's almost always that seed of, well, at least with me, in my case, it was a seed of doubt that was like, are you sure about this, Lou? Mm-hmm. And I've had to, like, especially in my case, in my, my, my circle or my family, my entire network are all corporate folks. And so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of people who've done the kind of stuff that I decided to do, like leave a corporate life and a corporate career to do something different. And so I didn't have a lot of role models or it didn't have a lot of I didn't have anybody to kind of see that person did it. And so I could yes. do it too. And so I had to to go in and trust myself, kind of like how you described it to, to get there, to find the strength. I love that. And I love that you recognize that because I think, I think so many of us operate in the world in that way. I mean, we are trusting ourselves and taking these steps forward. We're not always giving ourselves that credit or recognizing that that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so for you to kind of know yeah, I needed to rely on myself. And and I think trust is such a powerful notion. And um, so to trust ourselves and recognize that we are doing so is then doubly powerful. Exactly, exactly. Oh my goodness, Martha, I can seriously, I can talk to you for hours and hours, <laughs> but I want to be, I maybe I should just re- invite you another time to, you know, get deeper into some of these conversations. That would be fun. I wanted to respect your time. So I wanted to just two more questions, Martha, if you don't mind. So one is if there is a book, fiction or nonfiction, that you may have read recently or a while back that's made an impact and that you wouldn't mind recommending. 
Oh, I'd love to. The book that comes to mind is um, by Michael A. Singer called The Untethered Soul. Do you know that one? I know that one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I listen to audiobooks. Sometimes I buy them on Kindle. And sometimes I have the hard copy. And The Untethered Soul, I was given the hard copy a few years ago by a friend who said, this isn't really my kind of thing. I think it's more yours. You should, you should read it. <laughs> and I read the first, you know, 15 pages, just didn't, just didn't grip. I, and I put it down and that was it. And then I was turned on to the same author's book called The Surrender Experiment um, just about a year ago. Read that book, which is really Michael Singer telling the story of his life, basically, but especially his career. And because it was a story for me that was just easier to read, um, you know, I wanted to find out what happened next for him. And it was, you know, nonfiction. And and that really all grabs me. So I got through it quickly. And then I thought, I just want to read anything else of his that he's written. And oh, my gosh, he wrote The Untethered Soul. And I think I own that book somewhere. And so when I found it again, and this time I read the first 15 pages, it was like, it was like I was a sponge and it just soaked into every pore. It was like just the right time for me to read it, you know? Yes. And so I read it and the whole, I have a copy that is heavily highlighted and dog-eared. And I just picked it up um, a couple of days ago and I've been opening it up and just seeing where I landed and reading excerpts from it again. And it's just so rich. And so especially went for somebody who is going through a change or considering it or feeling like maybe paralyzed or maybe just like a little scared, but um, lots of really great, very practical and very simple ways to move through that fear and just stay present. And and then that tuning inward, that trusting yourself, it's all in there. It's funny that you mentioned that you first read it and the first 15 pages were like, I don't know if I'm going to get through this because so I, the first time I heard of Mark Singer and his book was because he was interviewed by Oprah in Oprah's new, not the old Oprah show, but her reincarnated <laughs> Oprah, the Super Soul Sunday. And he was interviewed. And so he, he talked about it. And of course, Oprah read his book and he, you know, she has the books there and she was reading passages and they were talking about it. And so after the interview, I went and got the book. I think that if I had not seen that interview, I would have had the same reaction as your first reaction to the book. But the only reason why I got through the book is because I already, it's sort of like I knew that, not the ending, but you kind of know what I mean. Like I know what it's about because I heard him talk about it. But as soon as I got into it, it's a brilliant book. But I like what you said. I should do that actually for some, especially some of the books that are inspirational and stuff. It's just like letting it open to whatever page the ones that I've already read, right? Yes, absolutely. I love that. I do that often. And I feel like it's always landing on just the right thing I needed to hear in that moment. Yeah. Thank you for that tip. So Martha, where can we find you online or in social media land? Where can we find you? Yes. Well, my website is MarthaKeith.com. And on Instagram, I'm at MarthaKeith. And on Facebook, um, I am Martha Keith. Brilliant. Well, that's easy enough, but I will still put all the links on the show notes for this episode. So thank you so much, Martha. I so appreciate you sharing your, not only your career story, but it's really like, especially, you know, when you were talking about how you were processing this, it's, I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's fun talking it with you. 
that about wraps it up for this week's episode. You will find the show notes and the information for the free live training series, Brave to Pivot at secondbreaks.com forward slash episode 78. And hey, if you like this podcast and you're a frequent listener, I would love it if you give us a rating on iTunes. It helps tremendously. I would so appreciate it. And by the way, tell your friends about the podcast too. There is no need to keep this a secret. Thank you so much for listening and being with me for a few minutes today. I cannot wait to chat with you again next week. I will be back with a new topic help you move forward with your career move goals and create the future you want. In the meanwhile, keep on making your dent, my friends. Cool beans!